Welcome to the Geekstrom Podcast. The the G stands for Game of Thrones, and I don't know what the rest of the letters stand for, but we basically only talk about one thing at this point, so it might as well be a Game of Thrones podcast. But the idea is that at some point we won't talk about Game of Thrones, but it's the most important thing in the world right now until maybe Thursday night, 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, when I'll be seeing the Avengers Endgame and for three and a half hours, I guess, I don't know how long the movie's going to be. I won't be thinking about Game of Thrones, uh, but then I'll be right back to it. Wait, that's coming out this week? Yeah, this uh, oh, this well three-day sequence from Thursday night to uh, Sunday evening is going to be incredibly emotionally devastating. I don't know if the collective uh, geek subconscious that exists, whether it be on Twitter or just in real life, is prepared for it. The amount of carnage that could be happening in that like 72 hour period yeah and we also have to consider that endgame is going to be emotional but for me who hasn't even seen all the marvel movies i'm still gonna be a wreck yes so that's gonna be fun yes but we're not here to talk about marvel are we no and this in case you forgot from last time uh is anthony's beautiful voice that you're hearing hello and uh yeah so we got a lot to get into so we're just gonna go oh, ahead yeah. and start um, the number one thing, uh, for me is, uh, Ghost. Ghost is just I know. there. And, like, yeah, not and he even, looks so small. Not even he referenced so at tiny. all. Uh, just like, just in the background shot, just kind of like a, uh, you know, an also ran. <laughs> I was like, so excited to see him. And then literally it was like sketching out the, the boards for this episode or something. We're just like, oh, we can totally put Ghost in there. But yeah, it's literally and, um, like they just like did it afterwards. Because <laughs> yeah, dude. And I watched I when I was watching the credits, I think it was like six people to make Ghost. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, and and he looked like a just a regular dog. And yeah. Then, he, like he, season five, he was like a horse. And yes. Now, yeah. It was like but, they just got like a kind of big dog and then did like a forced perspective shot and then just green screened it in. Um, and I was like, no one's going to even like pet him or something i mean come on it's ghost we've been wanting to see ghost for how many episodes at this point I, and... yeah i think they were just kind of buttering our bread to get us ready because i feel like ghost is gonna die oh no yeah oh those red eyes are gonna turn blue oh, i don't like it i don't like it i don't like it either if john has to kill ghost oh no I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be happy right i am just gonna say right off the bat that i don't uh want us specifically to do a who we think is gonna die list um, no we'll just be because, here all night yeah it's it's too much uh it would be relatively emotional to extremely emotional and we have so many other things to talk about i don't think that that would be really any fun um but clearly a lot of what this episode centered around was reintroducing if not introducing us to a bunch of people again uh that will surely most of which be gone by by sunday by sunday evening it's uh it's gonna be wild i mean you, you don't have this many little cute conversations and calls and over drinks and you know around songs without it being there to remind you hey remember how you like this character well they're about to die yeah and I, I really liked how it was different from most, like, pre-battle scenes in movies. Because, like, Game of Thrones is often compared to Lord of the Rings or, like, any other medieval war movie. And 
I just lost all my credibility there by <laughs> refer- by referring to Lord of the Rings as medieval, but any type of sword fighting movie. There's always, like, that pre-battle, like, everyone's kind of either excited or, like, as the viewer, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, they're gonna make it out, they're just, like, acting, but this is, they're, a lot of them are gonna go, and yes. for I think it was just as much of, like, a goodbye for us as it was for the characters mm-hmm. and I, I really think i know brian cogman did the writing and i think he did a really great job for this one he's kind of like the book lover right fan like he's like their go-to writer for the series and uh i think he he handled almost everything really well we have gripes i'm sure oh, yeah. i do but yeah Speaking uh, of gripes, what were yours, Frankie? Uh, well, um, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there because this is uh, through various Slack conversations and Twitter rants and uh, an article uh, that I wrote just yesterday. Um, I uh, hate Theon Greyjoy, um, not as a character, but because of his actions within the story itself and the fact Ooh. that he is summarily forgiven um and i understand again it's just a symptom of the shortened season and everything like that but his ability to just kind of be like oh i'm sorry uh i will also fight for the living and then just kind of being like cool we're gonna put you with literally the most important person uh in humanity right now and uh you pretended to burn him um a couple seasons (laughs) back but don't worry about it uh it all is forgiven and just just rough just just a tough look uh for the showrunners in that respect in my personal opinion i can understand and and i get that and uh, like a lot of the like i think complaints i've you know seen and some of which i feel myself are that like you know the series in particular sort of humanizes horrible people which i get like we have to feel that way because they are people but i mean Jamie threw a kid off of a tower. <laughs> like we like I I understand like he's a good person underneath it all, but he threw someone under a tower or like over a tower. And I feel like you know that that's just not forgivable. Theon raped people. He was a horrible womanizer. He treated everyone like shit and then he burned kids alive and like he even says, like, in the books, like, oh, like, I feel bad, like, but they were only, like, farmers or whatever. I'm like, it wasn't <laughs> that they were only farmers. You still fucking killed children, you right. idiot. But I think, like, the Starks that are, would be around to, you know, condemn him are dead. Yeah. Like, I mean, Bran doesn't care about anything anymore. Right. Um, even though he was the one most impacted by it, arguably. Um, Rob is <laughs> no longer with us because, <laughs> and he was the one that was betrayed. Right. Um, Catelyn, same thing. And, um, like, there was a scene in uh, book three that I, I really loved where uh, Catelyn gets a piece of Theon's skin. Um, Ramsay's dad gives it to her. And she talks about how, like, she looks at it and she wants to grab it and, like, hold on to it. And I was like, oh, that would have been really cool. But, you know, you can't really translate that in the show. But, like, the fact is, Dion is a dick. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because of everything he went through. 
And I think Sansa, you know, if Sansa hadn't dealt with the same horrible person. Right. Like, they shared the same trauma. So, like, you know, that no one else did. And that kind of is what binds them. Like, we get that. And I don't know, you, you talked about forgiveness in your article. I, I think we should talk more about that right now, too, because that is like a big theme. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like like across so the entire We haven't episode. forgiven Theon, apparently. Yes, but... yeah. And episode starts with, you know, the what I think was supposed to be the next big event as far as like uh, people naming things and holding on to the naming of events and stuff. The You know, the trial of Jamie Lannister, which sounds rad, sounds like it could be it's almost its own novella. Um, but you know, essentially was only, was over in about 10 minutes. Um, yeah, I kind of expected that though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was like, they're not, they're trying to move along and it's kind of weird that they're trying to move along, but at the same time they gave us like this episode, which is no one moving literally. No one moving, but fucking jam packed with interactions. Um, the chief, most of which I think in, in a lot of people's minds uh, seem to center around jamie and his influence and i i do i understand and there's kind of this um this meta conversation that's going on between the showrunners and the writers and the fans where i think once they became free uh if if that's how you choose to see it they became free of the content to you know turn into a television show and started to kind of build out the remainder of the narrative in their own way um fan reaction became a huge aspect of the way that the show was made and the very interesting and i think probably the the thing that george would probably be the most happy about um in terms of his ability to create characters that are nuanced and have layers to them is is the fan reactions to jamie like like you said, you know, the very first episode, the pilot episode, ends with him pushing a child out of a tower because that child saw him fucking his sister. <laughs> uh, you know, and there's been plenty, like, I, I'm on my rewatch right now, I just got through, like, I'm right before the Battle of the Bastards, you know, when uh, the Lannisters uh, take um, River Run. And like, oh yeah, I always forget that that was part of right. I like, think it, that whole thing because it just like, happened so fast. You know, yeah, like, it was over was in an episode and a half. Basically, disappointed by that, yeah. But, but like, like that gets lost with like Daenerys in the in Marine and John right. in the North, like in the Boltons. But right, it was definitely like the third or fourth tier storyline uh, in that season. Um, but it just. You know how terrible he is. He's he's threatening to um to basically throw to shoot Edmir's son over the ramparts uh with a catapult. His baby, his baby child, um, and that's how he convinces him to you know get get the rest of the Tullys to surrender. Um, and you know even he has a brief conversation with Brienne about you know like. She says, if, if I got to fight, I got to fight for the Tullys. I'm honor bound. And he's just like, well, I guess we just have to throw down then. And who knows what would have happened if they'd actually met in combat. But ultimately, you know, he still was kind of a shitty dude. He was still under Cersei's thumb at this point. He was still, you know, acting according to her whims and wishes. Um, yeah, which I think, I think book readers, like, we still kind of... Like the, the 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 hardcore fandom, it's kind of like 
we're already used to Jamie not being under her thumb because he's right. Like I think for like four, three or four seasons, he was like, mm-hmm. um, and I like where the books left off. Uh, where it would have been I think like season five, Jamie had pretty much said like, "All right, I'm done with her." Right. Um, but then in the show, like he stuck around, like he went to Dorne, he did like all the shit for her, and because right. they didn't really know what else to do with him, which I, I get. So then, you know, all that brings him essentially like it, it's uh, up until the end of season seven. He's still, if if not waffling, completely under Cersei's thumb, knowing, you know, this is after her blowing up the sept and everything. Um, so it, it, it becomes a situation where he's like, all right, I'm done with all that. I'm going to go north. You know, I'm going to, I guess, take whatever punishment is given to me and he's on trial in front of Danny and the rest of the Starks and Brianna's there and you know some of the wildlings and whatever you know it's like a a cavalcade of folks and it's just all like in either a day or a day and a half before they're expecting the White Walkers to show up Um, you know and he says his piece and he doesn't really back off from any of the things that he's done in the past which you wouldn't expect him to Uh, no that would have been way too out of character but then you know he's just like I that's that's not the man that I am anymore and Brienne backs him up and you know Sansa it's like Brienne's right you know I trust Brienne and so they basically you know after Danny goes on her soliloquy about like hearing stories about him being a terrible person and killing her father and all this then they basically are just like cool um we'll take your sword and that that's the end of it and you know yeah the- and that kind of bothered me too though like it was almost too easy right and I think it would have been a good moment for Daenerys, too, who I have a lot to say about, but mm-hmm. it would have been a good moment for her to be like, my brother and I, like, thought about how we would kill you. Right. But I'm not my brother, and I'm not my father. Mm-hmm. And, like, that would have been good for the Northerners to hear, too. Right. But instead, they were like, okay, you're just gonna be mean. And I'm like, okay, whatever, but... Yeah. I don't know. And I think it would have been a good chance for Jamie to be like, well, fuck you, your dad was gonna kill everyone. Right. And um, I definitely, like, you know, if they were going to devote, like, even segue shots away, like, to other parts, you know, if this wasn't an episode that was going to take place solely in Winterfell, um, that might have been where they could have kind of padded it out a little bit and had a little bit of back and forth. Um, but ultimately, it just kind of was like, you know, it ended quickly, and yeah. they're like, you're, you know, you're basically, you're forgiven, you know, and, and oh, the yeah, forgiveness... I mean aspect of the entire episode is important in that it needs to reestablish the links that all of these people have um and make it emotionally resonant in yeah, preparation and... for losing these folks and and i get that but it does does kind of show you know th- th- as because this this episode i just want to say you know just like right we're about 15 minutes in at this point but like <laughs> yeah this, ep- but... this episode is is great it's yeah it's, it's really fantastic i and think these are like was... nitpicky problems i think but from both of us because like ultimately it's more yeah but that's us... what we do we we yeah. have to <laughs> you don't have a podcast so like, about things yeah, yeah like to it's, not nitpick. It's, it's tough to like be both a fan and someone who's viewing it from a critical eye like because even i can be critical all i want or cynical whatever I'm still going to love the show. I'm still a fan. Right. And, um, like, there are things I want to work out, things I don't, whatever. But, like, at the end of the day, we love it. And this was, I think, 
probably one of the better ones since Blackwater. Yeah, I agree. And it was just, I think the types of conversations, the type of interactions that were happening in this episode um, are indicative of what kind of increased the fandom. Because there there are plenty of people that are going to watch anything that has like swords and sorcery in it um, just because, you know, they're fantasy fans. So anything that kind of has this this pastiche is going to resonate with them. But I think what really brought in a wider set of fans, you know, that actually got people interested in reading the books because they're like, oh, I can live in these people's heads for, you know, however long I want if I can, you know, just read over and over again and get to know some of these people at kind of a more intimate level. The type of interactions that were happening in this episode were so much closer to that and those, you know, episodes and past seasons. And because it was it was volume heavy, you know, it's a lot of different people that you care about having conversations with other people that you care about about stuff you care about. And that's, I mean, especially considering that this is going to be a very action-heavy season, you know. I think one of, next week is one of the, like, 90-minute ones, right? Yeah, it's, I think, 82 or something like that. So, but... you know, we've got that type of stuff coming up. So then to kind of, you know, preempt it was something that was very much like almost like a bottle episode for a normal like sitcom tv show Yeah, it really was it, it reminded me a lot of season one actually right and that like yeah it was a lot of talking and no action and i know a lot of like my friends who were like casual show watchers like they kind of were not happy with the episode mm-hmm um, and I think it's because HBO and David and Dan and like other showrunners, everyone was kind of like, this is going to be where we hit the ground running. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, that's not right. what we have to do. Like, we need a moment to say goodbye. Like, if Brienne were to, were to have died, like, without her being knighted. Right. Like, it, it won't, it would be bad, like, because I don't think anyone doesn't like Brienne. And if you do, you're wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. But, like, She's the heart her, of the show, like, damn it. She really is. But if, if, like, something, if she were to die, like, it would be bad. But I think knowing that she's dead, she dies with, like, achieving her ultimate dream. Mm-hmm being knighted by someone she kind of is in love with. Right. You know, and being cheered on by a, you know, man who drinks giant milk. <laughs> um, and that, that was the thing too. Like, I, I want to get into how all the interactions were really consistent with the characters. And right. while they've all changed, like, you know, Brienne says like, all right, are you okay? You're not insulting me. Right. Um, but like all the characters with the exception of one, who happens to have dragons or are very consistent with like who they are mm-hmm. in that, like they don't say or do anything out of character. Right. Like even Arya, who uh, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> like even her like spontaneous um, tryst with the, the little Baratheon boy. Um, like even that is very, it was, it's a lot like her. Cause right. she is a, not really a, level-headed thinker she just goes in and well he went in not <laughs> <done>. <laughs> uh, she finally got the spear is, is what yes. we're saying yep yeah that wasn't the only weapon he made yes yeah. oh my goodness um one we of do the one of the things and this i think this is probably a good spot to to jump into your thoughts on daenerys but uh 
I gotta tell you, a lot of times uh, these there's moments in these podcasts where I confess to you that I forgot about things or that I didn't catch things. Um, so you know when they're having the small council there, uh, kind of deciding Jamie's fate, and then you know everyone kind of I I called it the storm out meeting because literally when it's done, everyone just gets up and like walks away. Even Brienne, they just like call yeah, kind of storm like, out. Oh, okay. Uh, and when when John left. Um, I was like, ah, oh, I guess he's just kind of pissed about how all this stuff went in. And I was just like, oh no, he's going away because he feels super awkward because he knows who he is now and is probably aware that he has slept with his aunt. Um, and, but like legitimately, I thought he was just giving her the cold shoulder because he was pissed off about something. I'm just like, oh no, it's because he's Aegon Tar- Targaryen. I completely yeah no I think because like there was a moment where she like turned to him like to talk to him and he was like nope gotta go gotta do yep. king stuff like totally forgot and like only it wasn't until they were in the crypt later I was just like oh shit that's why that's why he's not talking to her I totally forgot uh, oh, but yeah God. there's a lot of you know and I, I you know another article that I wrote last week kind of broaching the topic of um it's this definitely fan heavy turn on Danny that has 100% been shepherded by how she's been characterized towards the end of season six. Are you going to, are you going to do like one hot take a week? Because I I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm trying. I'm I'm definitely trying to, you know, turn something around based off of maybe, maybe fan reaction, maybe my own reactions, but just something that is really specific to each of the episodes, because I think that, you know, it's really easy to do, and I hope it doesn't sound like I'm shitting on people to do this because there is 100% a cottage industry just on people's reactions to Game of Thrones and doing yeah, recaps. Yeah, and I don't and, like it. Right, and it's just... I mean, it, well, that's what we're doing now. But. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there's there's a lot of room for content out there, so I'm just kind of trying to do something a little bit different. Uh, so the first no, week I did one... I like it. ...on like so. um, there being like a fan reaction to... To Danny, at least in the first episode, but just kind of like maybe the second half of season six or season seven, I should say, and then this the first episode, and now re-cemented in the second episode. And there's really it's it seems like it's aggressively coming from the showrunners that they want the whole Danny equals Mad Queen uh, theory to at least be festering in people's minds consistently. Um, but it is so at times wildly out of character for her uh, that it's it's difficult for people who, like Anthony said, watch it with a critical eye to understand the reasoning behind it, the motivation behind it. So I'm I'm gonna cede the floor to you because I know that you have some some strong feelings on this. Yeah, I um I didn't write or publish anything, but I went on a Twitter rant, which is basically like writing <laughs> um, about how I think. I think the show treating her like the way they're treating her now is unfair to her as a character. And I think the notion that she's going to be the Mad Queen, it's... I just hate it. Because we have a Mad Queen. Her name is Cersei. Cersei fucking Lannister, y'all. Yeah, she blew up a church. (laughs) With people in it. Is is it too soon to make a joke about Notre Dame? Because she did that. <laughs> Except with more people. Oh there were God. more casualties. No, she did that. Yeah. And then, like, she fucked her brother multiple times, had bastard children, one of which was a monster. I don't know if you people remember Joffrey, but, like, you know, that was his mom. 
Uh, I mean, Marcel and Tommen are nice, and I yeah. feel bad for them. But also anyway. did. Yeah, they, you know. Because of Cersei's actors. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, actually, no. Marcella died because of Tyrion, technically. Yeah, that's true. Because he's the one that sent her to Dorne. That is true. And then Jamie fucking showed up there for whatever. That season was a clusterfuck. But anyway, we're not talking about that. But anyway, Daenerys. Um, I don't like that they want her to be the Mad Queen if that's what they're going for. I don't know if like that's their objective. If it is, then they should have started doing this shit like years ago. Right. Um, and I know people cite examples like, oh, she crucified the slavers. I'm like, yeah, I would have too. Fuck them. They own slaves. <laughs> they, you know, like, there's no mercy for them. I don't care. But, like, for, you know, like, Randall Tarly, I don't feel bad for him either. But, like, I could see the argument. Um, and, but they're just trying to, like, say, like, it's too soon. You can't have her do a you know, heel turn in the last three hours of the series. Right. This isn't the WWE. <laughs> and I Vince mean, McMahon isn't writing the show. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of like, uh, counter groundswell for it to be like, you know, they're pushing this characterization so that when she does, you know, make the sacrifice play or, you know, yeah, I mean, the... it could be like Arya and Sansa last season, right. where like it's not going to amount to anything, and we know that. But, right. but in, I don't in, know. The feeling is there. In the meantime, it's it's really it does not feel uh, intuitive. It doesn't feel like this is, uh, you know, they had like a character arc planned for this person, and you know, they just decided to add an extra bump in there at the very end, uh, just for. I don't know what would be the viewing uh, audience's version of clicks. This, I mean, it's like this characterization is clickbait. It legitimately yeah, is trying much. to trigger people's like reaction to it, you know, to catch on to this key phrase that people have, um, so that they can like, you know, keep people interested, keep people talking about it, and everything like that. But it really just feels so heavy-handed. And there's, I mean, there's a yeah, lot of heavy-handed and... stuff. I mean, one of the things that I, th- that I, <laughs> that I thought was super heavy-handed in this episode was um, when Sam, who you know is lovely, uh, one of my favorite people on the show, is kind of like a mix between an audience proxy and like the rest of the writers on the series and George. Like, so oh, he's, he's like George, a hundred percent, right? Um, yeah. But going on that dying is forgetting, or forgetting people is like them dying speech that was so like literally he he could have just looked into the camera and and spoke that it felt so it felt so like tumblr like uh yeah you know like live journal like just really i found it on my zanga yeah exactly just not (laughs) not in universe it didn't feel connected at all um and if bran had said it that would be one thing right right and it was, you know, I think that that was or like the a point. maester. It was like in response to Bran, you know, which I want to ask you about that in a second. Um, but it was in response. But it really, like, I don't know if it was the length of it or the actual language itself. The sentiment made sense. You know, they're literally talking about fighting the dead. I get that. But, you know, the death is forgetting, I think, is so it's supposed to be like this hammer line. That's supposed to be like a tagline, you know. You're supposed to have this in quotes underneath a picture. I get, yeah, which, I get, I get all that. But we, it we had that last week with right. the the fucking whore 
or whatever. And I want to be a you want a whore by, right. by her that one. <laughs> right. I think they're doing that. They're having like one live journal moment per episode. So I'm not a huge fan of that. But what I am a huge fan of is wanting to hear your take on Bran being like 100 percent sure that the Night King wants to that needs to kill him. Like, you know, like his his initial reasoning about like, you know, if there is no three-eyed raven, if he comes and kills Bran, then that ushers in the Endless Night, uh, which clearly seems to be a motivating factor for the Night King and everything like that, and does as much to shatter the Bran equals Night King theory as, you know, the opposite. But <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I guess he's not the Night King right. now. But, but it, it's, to me, it's like... He, we, we don't know a lot about like the the mechanics of the of three-eyed raven um as, especially within the show's universe because you know there's a lot of differences in the power structure um you know we don't in the show know besides like a few kind of scattered responses that there have been basically three-eyed ravens throughout history and they've all just kind of you know it's been like a title that's been passed down over and over um yeah which i i mean like i didn't know either like right i, I don't think it like i think all the book readers are like whoa what the fuck what right um like we knew of the three-eyed raven that was blood raven the the last one yeah um and we know that like he went out beyond the wall and that was it we you know and we know that green series were a thing like Jojen knew right we don't know their power we don't know like we know Bran can see the future mm-hmm. um but we don't know how much and right. i think that's really interesting too like we know like he's like oh i'm waiting for an old friend like he knew jamie was gonna show up right but like he can't say whether or not jamie lives or dies and i think that's pretty interesting and i think Bran is just a mysterious thing and we're not gonna no until we get to see it from his like point of view like we're not gonna because i don't think we've seen him go into a vision i think we had like not since um he did his hold the door thing right i mean like he has them all the time and we know it but we haven't seen him physically do it right right i mean was the um uh was uh ned uh take taking john was that a just a flashback, or was that a vision of his? I, I don't remember. How... Well, I think no, that that was a vision because yeah, like, I, th- I think that's the he last saw one. that. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like when he's at Winterfell, um, right? I don't think we see him go back and, and I don't think we see any of that. We didn't see him see the wall fall. We didn't see him. Yeah, see but like he saw Viserion it. get you know javelined in the chest. Oh so, boy. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting. It kind of it kind of positions them as like two sides of this coin that exist like in and outside of time, which is, you know, definitely incredibly sci-fi uh and difficult to rectify against the rest of the fantasy setting um without, you know, the proper explanation, but I understand that sometimes you just got to have stuff that happens just to happen. Um, yeah to to kind of maneuver some of the pieces around the board a little bit easier uh but it's interesting that bran you know is physically limited like cannot move cannot use his legs uh and that the previous three-eyed raven was 
you know part of the roots down to a tree right exactly uh but they're supposed to be the maintainers of the memory of the world and like the only the last bastion against the night king who is incredibly mobile uh has the ability to raise the dead uh to create basically clones of himself and seems to have at least similar if not the exact same powers as a three-eyed raven so uh this idea that you know their battle um is the one that kind of decides the fate of men uh when one dude is like in a wheelchair is <laughs> it is quite interesting and i get it being like dead versus like you know the night king probably could go on like a solo mission find bran and kill him but you know yeah maybe... i feel like there's more to it than that it, is the night king just a flashy bitch you know he just wants to like flex on people is, maybe is that... that's it i don't know but like <laughs> we didn't we didn't even see him with his army at right. the end um but we did see a shit ton of actual white walkers which right. is like well i'm assuming craster's kids right that's what i'm thinking but there were more than like i thought there were like 12 they were because like, yeah it was yeah like, like they have like the zombies like the whites yeah. but like, there was a we, lot of them it was crazy yeah like when John killed uh, that White Walker in, um, I think, uh, Hardhome, mm-hmm. like that was like a big deal. Everyone's like, "Oh shit, he took one out!" Right. Like you know, that's like one down, however many to go. But like, there were a <laughs> nope. lot, dude, and There's I was like, "Holy shit!" Well, even when uh when Mira, who I still hope uh, shows back up in the show at some point, um, killed one, I was just like, "Cool, that's another, it's another White Walker down. This is great." Um, yeah like we didn't know that they had like 50 to 100 of them like just like oh hey and they're good at fighting yes they're quite good um because like yeah like the zombies i'm like well they could withstand that like mm -hmm. i mean it would be tough and you're gonna like lose people but like they had like dragon glass on like the uh like spikes and all which i thought was cool yes and i was excited they even had it like uh into the the side of the walls and stuff which i thought was really cool yeah it actually got to a point where during watching the episode, I was like, I wonder if that has dragon glass on it too. I was literally looking for dragon glass. Yeah, we should, we everywhere. should do like a rewatch where we like do like a tally on how much we see. It's just like, you know, like when you're trying to, you think that you've cleared a corner and you clip it and it, you know, you hit your knee or your toe or something like that. Yeah. That's well, if you put like, dragon like, glass oh, there's there, another one. boom. Yeah. Like, and if you're, I wonder if dragon glass would instantly kill Barrick. Or like any or oh. John. I just thought about that, huh? Because like they are technically undead. Yeah, I wonder if like just undead in general is something that you know is combated by dragon glass, or if it needs to be White Walker specific. And then you know I was thinking about too um, when uh, Benjen. Uh, I don't. They didn't ever call him Cold Hands in the uh, in the show, no, right? No, they they wouldn't. I don't um, think they did that. So, remember his whole thing about, like, how he was able to stay alive was that the children of the forest also put a dragon glass dagger into his heart. Um, and so that's how they kept him from dying. Uh, so I wonder if it's just, like, if there's, like, a couple different ways to maintain life beyond death uh, that aren't yeah, White Walker Yeah, like, maybe specific. it's not just, like fire magic or ice magic like. right interesting i don't All know right. but i'm sure we'll, <laughs> we'll find out when a lot of our favorites die next yes, week <laughs> sadly um and a and a big collection of our favorites uh was the uh fireside chat um 
and I also want to, before we get into the main squad, I want to give Tyrion props for being the, the person to finally go, hey, Bran, how about you tell me about all this shit? Instead of right? everyone everyone else is like, oh, all right. That, and, then, uh, and then when it cut away, I was disappointed. I yeah, was, I was just, like, no, I wanted to hear it. I wanted <laughs> to hear it. Even though, like, that. we know. Give but... us, like, a 15-minute featurette of just Bran rambling to Tyrion and Tyrion just going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. and I think, I think they did that because maybe Bran is going to die and Tyrion has to tell the story. Mm, I like if that. If Tyrion lives, or Tyrion's going to die and Bran's like, oh, well, I told him what happened. <laughs> Tyrion knows. But, um, yeah. but yeah, the uh, the squad, you got, uh, who do we got? We got Pod, we got Jamie, we got Tormund, we got Brienne. Uh, anyone else? Was there another person? Um, oh, and Davos. Davos, yeah. yeah. All hanging out around the fire. Davos literally warming his ass in front of the fire. I know, he just blocked it off, and he was like, whatever, I'm old. <laughs> right. And, and I'm like, uh, that's me, I'm Davos. Tyrion with the overpour on the cup. I really yeah. I really appreciated that. And um, when, when Brienne was like, you can't drink. And then <laughs> that reminded me when, uh, like, they were like, you can't drink before a fight. It reminded me of Oberyn. my dear sweet Oberyn. And oh, he was like, no. I always drink before a fight. Oh, like, no. oh, no. So Pod. if Pod dies because he's hungover... Oh no! I'm blaming Pod. that on Tyrion. I think Pod's done. Pod has beautiful voice. I know. Adding to I his, didn't think uh, he, his collection I didn't know of he very was particular a skills. Yeah, I didn't know he was a tenor. Oh, he's so so he's so got a huge. He's got a huge like a python and a wonderful <laughs> voice. Like, <laughs> what is the point of like even trying anymore? Uh, Pod, Pod, Pod can get anyone. It, yeah, all, he needs, Pod, all he needs is Pod time. is the Neville of the series. <laughs> exactly. He's definitely got the glow up <laughs> like, for sure. Yeah, like, oh man. <sighs> but, and like, they even said it too. Like, they're like, oh, he's good at fighting now. And I'm like, oh no. That's true. Yeah. I, uh, I, I likened it to the, the gif of Neo uh, fighting Agent Smith at the end of the first Matrix, where he's like just literally blocking everything, like nonchalantly. That was 100% Pod out in the yard. Yeah. He was just like, <laughs> it's so great. And because of my rewatch, I remembered that um, Pod got some uh, dirty fighting skills um, from Bronn when they were outside uh, River. Oh Ryan. yeah, yeah, that's true. I I didn't even think about that. Like, because when Bronn was teaching Jamie and like them how to fight, he's like, "Yeah, you fight like lords. You know, <laughs> that's not how you survive." Right. Exactly. So we're definitely gonna hopefully get some hero shots of Pod doing something, doing something heroic. Maybe. Maybe Tyrion slips out of the crypts or something like that because he can't stand being down there. Uh, or because gets... something else is happening very under true, the crypts. Very true, very true. And Pod saves so, him again. Like, that's so dumb, though. Like, I, we gotta, I gotta mention that. Like, oh, we're gonna keep all the women and children underground in the dark where there are dead people. Yes. While we fight this army of people who can raise the dead. It's just... As telegraphing it, like they, you know, it's just kind of like saying, um, "There's no safer place than Hogwarts," and then that's where like all the shit happens. Is like, yeah, like they kept saying, "Oh, the crypts, the crypts are the safest place in all of Winterfell." Be if they had said that like once or twice, I would have been like, "Oh, okay," like, but they they really emphasized that, and that's why I'm like pretty sure that right. something's gonna happen. Right. So, as far as our fireside chat goes, you want to talk yeah, about... Yeah, we got to go back to that. You got to talk about the knighting first, or uh, um, Jenny's song? I mean, they kind of tie into each other. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, Jenny's song, I 
We only get like one lyric from it in the book. It's only like one or two line. It's like right. the opening line. Um, and I I was listening to um, like Cogman talking about it, and uh, he had said like Dan, uh, the show writer, finished the lyrics, and I thought that was cool because like I spent a lot of time like ragging on them, but I really loved like the song, and I think. I think Pi did a good job singing it. I think Florence and the Machine did a better job. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, when when it started playing at the in the end credits, I like lost my shit. I was like, my favorite band <laughs> on my favorite show. Oh my god! How but, did you um, get so lucky? I know. Like the only thing that would have made that better is if like it like after the credits, like I got to play Skyrim or something like immediately <laughs> after. Like it just like was like all right, here's the controller. But anyway, right. um. Like, I, I think uh, we, Jenny's song in particular, though, is important because it, it sounds good, like, high in the halls, whatever, dead, you know, but in the, the show, in, like, the world, the historical context of it is that it's about a guy, Prince Duncan, who left the throne to be with a commoner. He abdicated his right to the throne for mm-hmm. love. And, I mean, you know, with all that's going on with these Targaryens and being concerned about the throne, which in another thing, Daenerys is the only one concerned about the throne because she's the only one thinking about the future. Okay, I'm sorry. It needs to be said. Everyone else is like, we need to worry about what's going on now. And she's the only one that's like, all right, well, what happens after? Right. And like, and when she talked about that with Sansa, Sansa's like, well, the North is going to be independent. And in a way, my friend, my good friend Becca, shout out Becca, you're probably the only person listening. Um, <laughs> she'd said, "Like, aren't six kingdoms enough? You don't need seven. <laughs> That's true. And I mean, from from like, if you want to play that from a book perspective, you know, Aegon didn't conquer Dorne, correct? And he still called it the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they could have six and one independent. But anyway, fireside chat. Let's talk. Right. So." We've we've got a sequence uh, <laughs> where uh, surprising, not su- maybe not surprising, but um, ultimate feminist torment starts talking about uh, a a clearly it's it's difficult to tell with Tyrion always, but a clearly uh, miniaturized dig and then you know supposition by Tyrion at Brienne, calling her Sir Brienne, uh, and then. You know, they have a chat about, you know, gender inequality uh, with Yeah, knights. and Tormund is the most woke person oh, in yeah. Westeros. That's I what happens it. when you're a wildling, man. It's just like all a lot of the shit that, you know, has just been burned into people, especially in Westeros, besides Dorne. Because I think Dorne, it's firstborn, right? It's not male or female. Yeah, and that, that was because um, they took in a bunch of refugees and they were right. like, hey... We should be more progressive. Right. And Dorne is perfect. It's always warm. They have sex. The food is great. Dorne is the best. So, Not in the show, but anyway. Yes, yeah, sadly. So Tormund anyway, is yeah. like, why Why can't you be knighted? And Brienne's like, oh, it's because I'm a woman. And then Tor- Tormund, you know, in a, <laughs> Fuck in tradition. a, in a thinly veiled uh, sexual innuendo i was like i'd knight you 10 times over and it's just like yeah i didn't get that one the first time and i was really disappointed (laughs) upon my rewatch when i was like how did i not catch that right and you know jamie was like well hey if anyone's going to be doing any knighting of brienne 
it's going to be me. And then uh, literally one of, you know, I know that it was played as feel good and maybe even just like a tiny bit comical because of, you know, Tormund preceding it and then, you know, having one of the best gifts that's ever come out of Game of Thrones of him clapping afterwards. Um, but legitimately one of the most heartfelt, heartwarming, emotional sequences in this entire show. I uh, Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I... Gwendolyn Christie in this sequence without saying a single word puts on an acting display that is on par with anything else that we've seen in yeah, all of Game like, of Thrones. She, like, her, her facial, like, I always talk about, like, the facial expressions, whatever, because that's what actors do, but, like, like, if you watch that, even without knowing any context of the show, even without following it, and you saw that one scene, like, I can't imagine not getting, like, some sort of goosebumps. Oh, yeah, just for sure. Like, and then the joy she felt when Tyrion, like, stood up and was like, to Sir Brienne, mm-hmm. like, it was, like, palpable, like, and I, I get, like, I try to be cynical when I watch shows, but I was like, how could you watch that and not get pumped up? Right. It's, it's it was just it was just so good, and I think that was kind of like a there's you know there's like the 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 John and Danny stuff and the majority of the Danny stuff like even when her and Sansa were having what appeared to be a good conversation, but then Sansa was like again because I am practical and I have learned a lot of things. I want to make sure while I'm having this one-on-one with you that you know that we will not bend the knee after all this is done, that we were promised that the North would never, you know, be part of the realm again. We would be independent. And, you know, they do the very fraught, you know, hand comes off the other hand and, you know, just before they can actually get into it and actually hash it out like adults, you know, they get interrupted, which is kind of a theme. Yeah. I hated that because that happened a couple of times this episode. And again, it's just building that, that tension into the type of relationship that the audience is supposed to have with Danny at this point, which I'm just not a huge fan of. Um, But beyond those things, this, the, almost the entirety of this episode was, was warm and, you know, it was cute. So a lot of cute shit happening. Dude, and... even the fucking hound. Yeah. And I loved that interaction he had with Arya, too. And, and then like... Beric came and fucked it up, just like always. Yeah, Beric cock-blocked uh, the hound. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is, you know, yeah. uh, one of my <laughs> least... Gendry was her uh, sloppy seconds. My, le- my <laughs> least favorite theory that I saw, you know, I don't care if it's even a joke, just that idea that Arya, for even a second, would think about that. Was just like <laughs> real, like legitimate puke, legitimate bile. Yeah, coming she up. had to settle for a fucking Baratheon booty call, oh, geez, Baratheon ridiculous. bastard booty call. But yeah, no, like, no. But that that scene I liked a and lot. The, and you know, now that we're talking about it, and just in reference to the rest of the like forgiveness theme in this episode, uh, the Hound being allowed to fight in everything without needing a trial, without needing a hug without needing to be part of battle plans. It's just basically sitting up on the wall, getting drunk, waiting for the fight to happen is to me. And I understand that he's not the same type of character that either Jamie or Theon is, but handles the way that people who have a kind of checkered past to to put it mildly uh, should be handled. Like 
the the hound aria you know was forever wanting to kill the hound because of writing down the uh was it the butcher's, the butcher's boy? boy yeah yeah, yeah. micah and you know the the various things that he did but you know the hound also protected sansa also kept her safe also was willing to take her away take her home the entire time and it never became something you know they didn't he didn't jump off the ramparts with sansa into the snow or anything like that but still he was protective of both sansa and arya and to me like that's the type of redemption that doesn't need to be recognized that i appreciate a lot more like yeah i think um and i think the way like the hound handled like so the way sandor handled uh like when Arya went up to him and was like why are you here um and like his like short answer is like it's still in character but you could tell he's changed and i right. i just love i love the hound as a character yes and i think he doesn't get enough credit for like she's like well you're a selfish shit like which he is, he can be but like we see throughout the series that he's really not he's more of a knight than save Brienne, pretty much everyone. Right. Um, he protected, like you said, he protected Arya, he protected Sansa. Um, he even, when he was like, after Brienne kicked the shit out of him, like, remember <laughs> when he was with the, what's his name? The uh, the guy who was in, in pretty much every show. Ian McShane. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, in, in Deadwood. Um, even when he was with him, he was like, you know, I'm going to protect these people. Right. Like, even when he's, like, chopping wood or whatever. And then he joins the Brotherhood Without Banners, who are literally protecting the people. Right. And I love, like, even though Beric ruined the moment, I still love that he showed up. Because, like, those two fought, and the Hound literally killed Beric. Yes. He literally, like, he cut him in half. And, like, <laughs> Beric came back, whatever. Um, But they're still, like, drinking, and, like, they say a lot without saying yep. anything. And right. I, I love that. I agree, one hundred percent. And then I loved Arya's little line too, like you know, "fuck you." <laughs> yeah, not, not gonna hang out with you two miserable shits, miserable old shits. So good, and you know that that leads and because because I don't want it to be, I want Jenny's song and kind of the the uh, fade out over the top of everyone meeting and you know breaking bread and whatnot to be the last thing that we talk about. So no. <laughs> we'll get to the the Arya. Uh, it's it's so scene. it's it's so funny because there there's almost like a like a strangely um agency removing conversation that is that is developed out of this um and i think that it revolves chiefly around the fact that um not only when we met aria she was so young but also that when gendry who was also young at the time met Arya that because they're now together with each other you know at least for one night um that that's that that's somehow gross uh and you know to me just because that is just like kind of intellectually dishonest to begin with um but just taking that kind of using the logic that's kind of reinforcing that that stance um it wasn't like Peter Baelish was literally walking around with a boner for Sansa from the time he met her because he's basically like, oh, this is essentially Catelyn uh, from when I was young 
So all I got to do is wait for it to be socially acceptable for me to try and get on that, and I'm going to go for it. And, I mean, he literally admitted it. Right. Um, which is, Gandry was not like that with Arya at all. Not at any point. The no, whole... it was a nice, like, touching, like, kind of romantic. Like, it was a, a big callback to, uh, was it Princess Bride? Right. When, uh, as you wish, like, yeah. As you wish, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, and that happened this season. That didn't happen when she was 11 and 12. That happened this season. So the reaction to it has been incredibly weird, um, especially considering that this was like, I think the most liberating and uh, like agency filled hookup that the show has ever had, like outside of maybe Egret and John, like by the waterfall. Yeah. Like, and I, I kind of wanted to touch on that for a sec because like when we were, when we're watching the show, like, you know, John is, John is free to, you know, go about and fuck whoever he wants, but right. how come Arya can't? Right. How come Sansa, well, I mean, we know why Sansa didn't right. the first time, but like in general, and it's weird that we're okay with Arya murdering a man's children, baking them into pies, having him <laughs> eat the pies, and then poisoning his whole family. Right. We're okay with her being a murderer, an assassin. And I mean, I am Arya. Like I, I defend Danny all the time, but Arya is mm-hmm. my favorite. Oh yeah, me too. Bar none in the whole series. But and when I when I was watching, like I had to examine myself for a second. I'm like, wait a minute, is she gonna? Oh my god, wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> and then I was like, they're not gonna show. They did. Okay, they mm-hmm. showed her butt. Um, and <laughs> like they showed like it, like almost if it was like a hey, just so you know. This girl has been through some shit. They showed the scars. Yeah. Like and then she's, had, she's gone through a lot. Right. They had Gendry respond to the scars, not vocally, but visually. And that was something that Arya shrugged off instantly. And not only, I think, not only was she empowering herself throughout this entire interaction, but she was also to Gendry just like, listen, this isn't going to be like how it was for you last time or oh, how yeah. it She's might like, have I'm been not the red woman. Like, for your, you, you know, off. your yeah. air quotes, three other girls, which I yeah. thought was hilarious. Well, and um, I was talking to, um, oh, no, she twitting about that on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had said, like, you know what? She asked that, right? And for a second, it, it took me a second because I'm very dumb. <laughs> um, she was like. You know, she wanted to know that he knew how to fuck before right. she went into it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Not right. That, like, you know, she wasn't trying to be like, I want to be your only one. Like, she mm-hmm. was trying to know, that, make sure he knew what he was doing. Right. Which, um, for better or for worse, uh, the the last shot that we got of her, <laughs> had, yeah, you know, that, um, the face that launched a thousand memes. Um, he's, he's not exactly a Podrick. Well, you know, it's guy. crazy. It's like, clearly, this is the, the kid... Uh, in the entire show that is most well-renowned for his stamina, whether it be rowing or running. Um, yeah, and he but apparently that doesn't after 10 minutes. Yes, does, doesn't doesn't apply to uh, yeah. the bedroom, I suppose. But no, I, like, there's been so much, and not, not like from a showrunner standpoint, but there's been so much of humanity that's been stripped from almost all of the Starks. I mean, John lost his life. Uh, Sansa had to basically become, you know, really staunch in her, like, just going from, like, the beginning of season six, like, taking all of the stuff, all of the hardships that she faced 
throughout everything before that. Just when she escaped Winterfell to now, she's become such a, a harder person because she just had to make decisions for the entire North. Yeah, um, and I, I think there's something that needs to be said, too, about how their guards are down when they're in Winterfell. Right. Like, in season one, like, you know, they were running around, having fun, mm-hmm. and then, like, when they go to King's Landing and shit goes down, and then after that, like, we know, like, you know, they keep their guard up because they have to. Right. And now that they're back in Winterfell, Arya's like, okay, let's fuck. Right. <laughs> Bran, also essentially an automaton at this point. Yeah. And Arya literally became, like, literally, like, there's no nuance to this at all. She became no one that she had to, to survive. And she, so her trying to collect back some of that humanity in her home where she feels safest with someone that she is friends with and decided to take this into another direction is so, I would, I would think something that people would like to experience in their own regular lives. And then, so being kind of freaked out by it in some kind of weird puritanical way, uh, just for, in Game of Thrones of all shows. I know, like... It's just wild, wild to me. Yeah, and uh, I think, um, like, I had read somewhere that, like, I think it's, like, purely an American thing, because I know in Europe, um, you know, a lot of the fans in the, in the fandom were like, yeah, it's whatever. Right. Um, but, like, in, in America, we're very prudish about that kind of thing. And it, you know, like, Maisie Williams is, like, 22. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, she looks, like, a little young, but she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And just, like, I don't know. I just think it's kind of ridiculous that, you know, we're kind of... And it's it would also be cheap if, like, she didn't do something spontaneous with her... Right. With a pointy end. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. So, I, and I think this is really indicative of of something that has really been pervasive in all of season seven and so far in season eight. It's just the, the narrowing of scope, you know, just kind of trying to put a really fine point on what it, it, the types of stories that they're trying to tell with the time that they have left. Um, and, you know, not specifically the Arya scene, but just the whole nature of this episode at all. Um, really, you know, it's trying to put a fine point on this. These, the sto- this is the story that we're trying to tell now. Uh, the Game of Thrones might have been different two seasons, three seasons, four seasons ago, but this is where it is now, and this is the way that we're going to tell the story. And I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way, uh, and you know, especially people with a critical eye, critical ear, critical mind. Yeah, like us. Yeah. Yay. But like you said before, you, you sometimes you just got to try and enjoy it, and. This is this was such an enjoyable episode, and it's just it's ended so well. I mean, you you referenced the like in in universe importance of Jenny's song and how it kind of it definitely is something that bridges between relatively like vague story. In I mean, I guess they talk about what what was her what was the like witch's name as like the heart what is oh that? the ghost of high heart high yeah. heart yeah and yeah it's like thought that she is like jenny too like there's theories about that but right you know and it's something um, that was really really kind of obscure and at least to this point in the books isn't anything that particularly drives the narrative 
but with the addition of the lyrics and everything like that and this idea that you know i've seen some theorizing out there that possibly uh rhaegar wrote the song um, yeah which that would make sense because rhaegar was a singer and right and he was obsessed with summer hall he was born the day jenny died right in the fires trying yeah. to bring dragons back into the world yeah um, egg on, a dunkin egg and all that yeah which... and there, there's a lot of like you know historical importance of the song but it was just beautiful and you know pod and it also... has it's very thematic with the episode too because like you like you were saying like it's about a girl who is dancing with ghosts mm-hmm. like they're like she's with the memories of these people and you know to go back to that kind of corny line like memories are what we have right and then it sort of begs the question like without your memories like you know your dreams die too like right. and, you know you lose who you are and then you're just as good as you know one of the the you know whites but right i mean and- i think i just think the song itself would have been enough mm-hmm. um and i think Having more Florence in the machine is always good. <laughs> I will never argue that. Right. But but playing it over, you know, all of these interactions with people, you know, we got our fireside chat, we've got um Sam and Gillian, young Sam, who has aged so rapidly. <laughs> it's another I know. It's another one yeah. of those things where it's just like, yeah. oh man, it's tough to keep these kids uh kids. Um and then we got. And then, I don't know. Oh yeah, this... and we had that nice little scene. You just reminded me of um, when when you're talking about young Sam Davos giving everyone like soup. Yes. And the little girl. Uh, and, yes. Who is like a callback to Shireen? And oh my god, I yeah, I feel like tough. she's doomed, and that's gonna be tough to watch. Yeah. Uh, just just seeing Davos again. Uh, I can't remember Davos's actor's name, but uh, Liam Cunningham. The the the, fa- the facial work on that when he saw that little girl with the. You know, whether it be like a burn or just a regular scar on her face, just like yeah. clearly seeing Shireen in that little girl's face. And her you know, also like kind of echoing Liana a little bit, who we got to see in this episode, who had about almost exactly the type of interaction I thought that um, she would have with Jorah. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting anything different. Yes. <laughs> from her just being, you know, snotty to him. Yes. But, I mean, she did kind of, like, forgive him in her own way. Yeah, at the very end there. It was it was kind of, uh, it was reminiscent of when they she ended up pledging her, her whole 62 men to John and Sansa. <laughs> um, when she, like, kind of told the maester, you know, pipe down, I'm going to respond here. It was definitely like uh, she was walking away and then trusted her better judgment and just said, you know, uh, said, I, I think she was just like, you know, good luck in the battle or i'll see yeah, you like you know, die I'll see, well <laughs> i'll see you tomorrow or whatever the hell yeah in, um, in the way that she does best right our little little liana yeah and we you know we got jorah now has heart's bane so that that's cool because you know sam probably wasn't gonna be swinging that thing um yeah so now what's sam gonna do i i'm assuming he's gonna be in the crypts as well maybe i don't know i, I and and you know what that's also two things that like uh, like Sam saved Jorah and gave him his family sword. Like, right. So maybe Jorah is gonna die protecting. Sam. I don't know. But. Right. And and I think it 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 also I think meant a lot more considering that Jorah was present when Danny told Sam about you know burning her father 
or his father and brother. Um, so for him to kind of bestow that upon Jorah specifically, it was kind of like a, listen, dude, I understand. Uh, I'm not going to say it sucks, but, you know, this is probably better for you anyway, so go ahead, you know. I don't yeah, necessarily... Yeah, like, I can't yep. hardly lift it. And I, yeah, I exactly. Sam, but, yeah. I mean... Oh, Sam. Um, and then, of course, the Sansa and Theon, you know, having soup together or whatever the fuck. You know, I, I get it, and sadly, um, I'd, I'd hope that this wouldn't happen, but clearly there are a lot of people out there that uh, ship them, as the kids say oh, now. No. Which I hate. I hate so no. much... Uh, based almost solely on the fact that I just loathe Theon uh, conceptually, but uh, Sansa either shouldn't be with anyone at all, or should be with someone fantastic, because she's been through enough. And, she deserves the best. Yeah. Yes, and she, you know, like, it's, it's just it's just a tough thing, but seeing all of that fade out happening. Uh, but I mean, song, again, that, that goes with I mean, if Sansa was going to be with anyone at that moment, I think I'd want it to be Theon. It, yeah. Because, again, like, it's, again, it's, they have they went through Ramsay together. Yes. They survived abuse and trauma. Yep. And it's no so one tough. will ever understand that. So, like, it's, I get that. It's so tough for me. I cannot I cannot even begin to explain how difficult it is for me to go. I mean, maybe I she should have been with this. Ghost. I understand it all. It makes sense. I get it. I just personally don't like it because you know if if the night's watch wasn't already here at winterfell i'd be like that motherfucker just needs to go to the night's watch and just be there yeah. uh but you know, it, oh um i i meant to point out too during during the song um when it highlight it goes like over theon they they say the line and she couldn't remember their name and i thought that was a little clever a little clever nod because like it like it closes in on Theon when they sing that lyric. Yeah, and I was like, "Huh, Theon couldn't remember his name." Interesting. Yeah, and, and in the in the books, he says something like when he's feeling remorse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says something along the lines of like he's praying at a heart tree, and um, he says something along the lines of like, "If I'm going to die, let me die as Theon." Yeah, and uh, then like a werewood. Uh, like leaf falls on him and he thinks about like is that bran right they don't know like that bran is like in the tree or whatever so like i love that but so they Um, pretty much said you know she like sansa was forever like you know when he was kept saying no my name is reek and she's like no it's not your name is not reek your name is theon so yeah there's definitely some layered importance there uh which i did not catch so thank you sir oh you're welcome um that's what we're here for we've uh we've got through a lot of stuff is there any uh nagging things i know that you you said that you had some nitpicks early on is there anything Um, that we didn't get to yeah but there are a couple of good things that i want to kind of give a shout out to um sam john and dollarus ed at the wall (laughs) uh when they're like having their the the scene with ghost when they're like um when, like, Ed says something like, oh, like, you've only had sex with one woman, and then, like, they're like, yeah, that's one more than you. Right. <laughs> and they're like, well, last one alive has to burn the bodies. I'm like, I love, like, oh, I just love that kind yep. of, like, camaraderie that they have. Oh, yeah. And definitely, um, of all of the people um, from season one that were part of the Night's Watch that I was that I would have thought would have made it all the way to the end, definitely not him. 
No, like, Ed, Ed is, like, notorious for being, like, just sarcastic. And he was, like, I think he says, st- like, stuff like, oh, when I'm die, make sure I stay dead. Like, right. um, and I, I think that might have been the only other, yeah, like, that, good that thing was, I, I had left. That was a really good one. I, I think... I think we pretty much covered it all. Um, you know, I it's definitely. Oh, we didn't cover Missendi and Grey Worm. Oh, that's true. <laughs> them, yeah, them Which, planning to get we're, a timeshare yeah, together becoming, after. We're yeah, we're we're becoming Winterfell, forgetting about them. Oh. Um, but I love like how Missendi like said hello when they ran away. I was like, "Fuck you!" Yes. Yeah, Don't they're... treat the rightful queen like that. Yes, definitely doubling down on the uh, all the North is racist and good reason for us to, you know, go wherever we want to go. Um, I, I yeah, thought that the, but... the uh, um, Grey Worm's line uh, back to Masendi about, you know, her people not being fighters uh, and that they can't protect themselves. And Grey Worm's like, well, my people are and we'll protect you. And I'm just like, yeah, son. I mean. That that's that's a you know a hot line and all, but you know the show doesn't mention that Noth is uh, not really the nicest place. Yes, because like the people are peaceful, but they have butterflies there that kill people. Right. So mm, I mean, if she's like, yeah, we could go there. Like that's you know. Well, <laughs> I'm like, you know, oh, I, I don't know, but I don't think that happens on the show. Like yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I also. Gonna... You know, I I know that we weren't gonna go over a list or whatever of people that we thought were gonna pass, but. I mean, having that conversation almost telegraphs that Grey Worm is going down, which I don't like because I love Grey Worm, but <sighs> we gotta lose. We gotta lose some people, so it's just... yeah, and it's it's gonna bother me when the Winterfell people are like, oh, you know, these these uh, foreigners are really not so bad, like, <laughs> you know, after like you know they right. give up their lives for them, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. Um, but I of the relationships in the show, uh, Grey Worm and Missent, like I loved theirs. Yeah. Because, like, it doesn't exist in the books or whatever, but it was, like, they're two, you know, regular people. They're not nobles. Right. And, like, watching them kind of fall in love is a really nice story that doesn't focus on power or, you know, backstabbing and betrayal or anything like that. And, like, I would like to see them both live. Yes. Um, and I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that they do. But uh, Grey Worm's a frontline fighter, and he's kind of well-liked, so he's, uh, he's yeah. out. Yeah. It's tough. It's real tough. All right. Well, if uh, we don't have anything else for today, uh, I think we'll go ahead and say our goodbyes. Do uh, you want to go ahead and plug your your art stuff there, my friend? Uh, yeah. I'm on Instagram at dipdrawstuff where i draw stuff um and if you want to buy some art you know message me we can work something out and um i'll probably be posting some stuff on medium soon uh game of thrones related probably some hot takes i'm not sure yet so keep an eye out for that um what about you frankie where can Uh, we find you uh uh uh, geekstrom the whole whole Instagram, not Instagram, that's not, I don't have an Instagram for Geekstrom, but... We should, we would have so many good, cute selfies. That's true, that's very true. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, uh, Yeah, that, uh, I also have, I think, just on Medium as Frankie Aguilar, 
uh, A-G-U-I-L-A-R, just in case you don't know how to spell it. And Frankie with an I-E, none of that Y nonsense. Ew. Um, so yeah, you could, I got uh, the ones that Anthony mentioned. I'll probably put links to them in the description. Uh, but have some articles from the first two episodes that aren't really recaps or anything, just kind of like uh, thoughts based off of some stuff that's happened in the episodes. Um, and yeah, looking at maybe... Uh, doing Geekstrom as its own has been part of the Hard Men to Please uh, network, which is almost entirely <laughs> defunct at this point. So you might be looking I for I would a... like us to go back, though. Um, yeah. Because I think the name is just too funny. It's too good, yeah. I love Hard Men to Please, so I would like to do that. Um, but that's not up to me. Yes, we'd have to talk to Jared, here. who refuses to come on this podcast because he's a coward. And has and also a really busy. <laughs> yeah. And has a family and everything. Yeah, and then us, Ethan also lonely has nerds. a family, right? Yeah, I live alone. Yes, in a studio. <laughs> yes, but uh, besides um, that, uh, we want to thank you guys for listening again, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, uh, we're gonna be shivering together. Yes, in the crypts. All right. All right. Oh God. Bye. Bye. <laughs>